I was really, really preachy with him because he would always have this mindset of, well, I'm going to get diabetes and I'm going to have high cholesterol and high blood pressure because it runs in the family and that's it. Like, that's what's going to happen for me. And that's it. You know, and he's like, I'm going to have health issues because my parents had health issues and it just runs in the family. It's genetics. Um, so that was his mindset for years. Um, and just until like these past two years, he was actually, um, diagnosed with, um, diabetes and he, um, basically at this point I had been vegan for two and a half years and he was really coming around to the idea. He's not vegan, but he's very aware of that food is medicine and that we can control things with food. And he eventually was able to actually get off his medication because he was eating healthier. He was eating more plant-based. He's eating like avocado toast with tomato in the morning, which is like such a big deal for him. It's good to be back, Vegemates. That was this week's amazing guest, Alexis Soto. I'm your host, Matthew Davey, and I'm stoked to be sharing another episode of the Veg Talk podcast with you today. For any new listeners, this show brings you guests from around the world who are leaders in the plant-based and vegan community. Despite that being the central theme of the show, my aim is to take a deep dive into the guest life and hopefully discuss some topics that help us to make positive change as a society. So whether you're a vegan, keto, paleo, or meat and three veg kind of person, I hope you enjoy today's show. The past few weeks, I've been reading out reviews from other listeners. And although we had no new ones this week, I'd like to share one from our first and only reviewer from New Zealand, Ed and Vegan. So she said, great podcast. I tuned into this podcast to listen to the episode where Matt speaks to the creators of Kind Community in Bali. I absolutely love Kind and was very impressed with the in-depth, interesting discussion with Lauren and Corinne a great mix of personal and professional. I found it very inspiring and will be listening to further episodes now as I enjoyed this one so much. I'm stoked to hear you enjoyed the episode with the kind girls. I hope the other ones you've listened to have been just as inspiring. If you'd like to leave your own review, that would be really, really appreciated. It helps the show reach more people around the world. It's super easy and only takes a couple of minutes through the Apple Podcast app on iPhone. So just find the stars, leave some for us, and then scroll a little further down to the write a review button and leave a short message. So let's now shift our focus to today's show with recipe developer and blogger Alexa Soto. Alexa is from San Diego. She is Mexican and American, and we discuss what this has been like for her growing up. In terms of being accepted in both cultures, adapting to the language, and also the influence both styles of food have had on her life. We chat about the evolution of her blog and business, her relationship with longtime boyfriend Chansey, and both of their vegan stories. You can find her online at fuelednaturally.net and also at Alexa Fueled Naturally on Instagram. I hope you enjoy today's show, guys, and as always, I'll be catching up with you afterwards to wrap things up. Beautiful guys, we're here today in sunny San Diego. I think it's well and truly warming up and getting mm. into summer here now. It's been a beautiful day. Uh, we're with Alexa Soto today. Uh, it's really good to be here. Alexa, thanks for having us. Thank you for having me. So, Alexa, you've got uh, an amazing blog Thank you. right now. <laughs> uh, what's the name of the blog? It's called Fueled Naturally. And then my Instagram is Alexa Fueled Naturally. So, I share recipes on the blog but i also share like full recipes on instagram 
Beautiful. Yeah. That's really helpful. Um, your food looks... I was scrolling through the Instagram page and getting super hungry. We were, <laughs> we were cooking chickpea tuna sandwiches in the van and I was looking at, at, at the food you've, you've been creating and it, it really does look amazing. Oh, so guys, thanks. definitely head over <laughs> and, and check out Alexa's page. But before we get into like how it all started, how the blog started... Uh, and your business started, I'd love to learn just a little bit more about, you know, what life was like growing up, where you grew up, and and what the family dynamic was kind of like. Sure, yeah. So, I grew up in San Diego. I've lived here my whole life. Um, Like Anna was saying earlier, we have it made out here. Um, I love that we can get to the beach in like 20 minutes, and then there's mountains close by, and then you can also get to the desert. So, it was amazing growing up. I actually didn't know how good I had it until I was older because, you know, you're little and you're just like, this is my norm. And then you leave and you're like, okay, this is really good. Like to come back from a trip to San Diego, you're like, okay, like not too shabby. <laughs> so it was good growing up. Um, I actually lived more in like the suburbs area. Um, but yeah, growing up, I was an athletic little child. I played soccer like most of my life. Um, my parents, so my dad is from Mexico city, as I was telling you earlier, my mom is American, but she's also Mexican because her parents are from Mexico. So Guadalajara and my parents met in the States. Um, my dad moved here when he was about 19 years old and they met and they fell in love and they got married. They actually fell in love in like four months and then they got married. (laughs) They got engaged after four months of like dating. So that's pretty interesting. But yeah, growing up, um, I grew up in like a Mexican household. So my mom, she's Mexican-American. So essentially she was she knew both languages, both Spanish and English. But as she grew up, you kind of lose that language unless you're speaking it every single day in your household. And so when she met my father, that's when she was like, okay, let's like perfect this Spanish. And they kind of from the get go were like, we're only speaking Spanish to each other. And then they said, when we have kids, we're speaking Spanish to each other in the house. And my dad's role was to speak only Spanish to us. So my mom basically told him, like, you're only allowed to speak Spanish to your children. Like you're like they can't know you speak English because my dad, of course, spoke English. But seriously, like growing up, I I genuinely thought my dad didn't know any English. And so I think I was like in the third grade and I was like, mom, I need help on my homework. And she's like, go ask your dad. I'm busy. And I'm like, but dad doesn't speak English. He only speaks Spanish. And she's like, oh, my God. And so like that's when the truth came out. But basically that like really brought us up in, you know, in a Mexican culture to be proud of speaking Spanish and to just like hold on to your roots because that can be difficult growing up in the U.S. And I also found myself once I got older, maybe like middle school, high school, kind of being a little ashamed um, because I just didn't speak it properly. And people would look at me and say, well, you don't look Mexican. You're not Mexican. All the Mexican kids at school would look at me and be like, no, you have like light eyes and lighter skin. Like you're not Mexican. I'm like, yeah, I am. Like my dad says I'm, you know, my dad's from Mexico City and I'd always have to explain myself. So that kind of just like made me feel bad. And I would just kind of like not want to speak Spanish because I just, I don't know, I felt like judged or someone would say like, well, you're not Mexican enough, you're whitewashed. Or So I felt like I did lose a little bit of my roots. And it wasn't up until honestly, like my early 20s, where I was really embracing that I'm Mexican American. And now I'm like, I just want to be like perfect in Spanish. And I want to be fluent. 
But I think all those years of me kind of just like, you know, like pushing it back and pushing it back, um, it kind of affected me. But, you know, so now I'm trying to like catch catch up again and only speaking Spanish to my dad again. As a teen, I would like sneak in some English, but now it's just fully Spanish. (laughs) I love that your your parents kind of made this pact that, you know, look, you're (laughs) going to only speak Spanish to the Mm -hmm. kids. They're not going to know that you speak English I know, at it's all. So interesting. It's um, it's funny. So, how was it? Uh, do you remember what it was like being like a bilingual kid? Like, did it come naturally? Does it come easily? I've, you know, I, I haven't grown up in a household similar to yours, so I've I've got no idea what it really is like to learn two languages at once, more right. or less. Yeah, I think at school, you know, it was just it was just English and doing homework was all in English. But when I would go to family parties, everyone would be speaking Spanish. So it was something that I always understood. And then my dad, when he would speak Spanish to me, it was just every single day. So I think as a young kid, they say that it's really easy to be bilingual or even like trilingual for young kids to really absorb that information. So I think if you start early, young, like you're good to go because I think I can stop speaking Spanish for years but always understand it so that's a plus um but yeah I think just starting young like it all goes back to your parents like thank you parents but there's a point where I would resent it and I would be like I don't want to speak Spanish they say I don't look like I speak Spanish anyways um but yeah it all goes back to the parents I think no that's yeah it's super helpful it's an awesome decision I know uh, my mom grew up with a, a Dutch father, but never learnt Dutch. I mean, Dutch is definitely a hard language, yeah. but um, if you're a kid and you grow up uh, with it, it, it just becomes so much easier. Yeah. With what you're talking about there, you know, kind of being bullied that you're not, you know, you're not Mexican enough or, you know, being kind of like an imposter to, uh, to that nationality. Did, did you get, you know, that feeling... How did you kind of combat that? I, I know I've we've spoken about it before, Anna and I, where you know you might have someone in your situation where, hey, I'm not like quite Mexican enough, and I'm not mm. quite American enough. Did you feel somewhere in the middle at any time, or you know how did you kind of combat that through high school? I feel like I'm just starting to find a balance in it and to equally be proud of both, um, especially through social media. I spent about a month in Mexico City because I one of the reasons was because I really wanted to be fluent in Spanish and just to practice and be around my family and so it kind of inspired me to speak a little bit of Spanish on my stories and a lot of people really liked it they're like wow like I didn't know you were of you know I didn't know you're Latin or I didn't know you spoke Spanish this is really cool this is really helpful so a lot of positive messages but then there's also some I guess you could say like kind of negative of people saying like wow you have a really thick accent and it's like thank you (laughs) I know that but like when someone tells you oh you have an accent kind of like discourages you a bit or like they just say oh that's not how you say it or, or they do a little joke or just kind of like making fun um and so it's hard not to feel discouraged you know when people are telling you like oh well you're kind of not saying that right or whatever it is but I'm just learning just to just to own it I went on um after a few months and I was like look I want to speak Spanish but I would really prefer if you guys hold back the comments of I have an accent because I'm aware (laughs) I'm American. I grew up in these states. You know, I learned from my 
Mexican father, but of course I'm going to have an accent. Just how someone who comes here from Mexico has an accent in English, and that's totally fine. And I actually love when people have accents because it tells a story and like you're so in I just find it very interesting. And I like that people say things differently. And so I just wanted to be like embraced back. And so it's a little bit hard. But I think once you just get past it and just say those are just a few negative comments and just like really own who you are, because I love it when other people come here and have an accent. So I just have to love it in myself, I guess, you know, no, it's a great perspective, yeah. I think. I think we struggle that uh, with that as a uh, as a society now. If if everything isn't kind of, you know, fitting into this box, then we're going to criticize it. We're going to mm. judge it. You know, there's room for there's room for difference. Yeah. That what makes us all so special, I suppose, is our uniqueness and what we bring right. to the world. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with you there. I think that's a really nice perspective. With the with the Mexican heritage, what was you know what was the food like? growing up um, at the dinner table you know you're an athletic kid you're playing soccer right. um what did you often see on the dinner table so it's interesting because my mom is um, american um we kind of grew up eating more americanized foods um at home but when i would go to family parties i was like the carne asada and the tacos and then chiladas and the chilaquiles like all the just the rich decadent Mexican food and my mom would tell us like look we can't have this all the time at home because it's not healthy by any means and so I kind of understood that as a kid it was kind of more of like a treat on the weekends um but in our household it was more of a healthier perspective of food um we would have like fish and rice and vegetables those were like the standard healthy foods in America I think and then but I did have that taste of Mexican food um and all that Mexican culture was definitely more on the weekends when I would see my aunts and my grandma and my grandfather. And so I think now being a vegan and a recipe developer, I have both. I can create really healthy and lighter recipes, but then I love diving into like the chilaquiles and the tacos because I grew up eating that too. Um, so yeah, the Mexican food is just, <laughs> it's just amazing. I think it's the best cuisine. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little biased, but it's it's delicious. And it's just so rich and, like, just so comforting. Flavors. Yes, the through flavors. The it's just uh, the flavors, yeah. Did you find I, – I think that's the interesting – I think American kind of cuisine, uh, Australian cuisine, if you – you know, if we if, if we even have one, <laughs> it's, it's just not flavored at a level anywhere close to what Mexicans <laughs> do with their food. So, like, I can imagine if you're introduced to both, did you see – that one was kind of more bland and then you know you've got this like amazing flavors and textures in in the Mexican food yeah I definitely see that and I try to bring that flavor into the healthier more I guess just traditionally Americanized foods I try to bring that flavor like I put cilantro on almost everything like it's almost a problem <laughs> um lime like that's just like my thing adding those flavors I actually recently did um a cooking show segment on this company called um Omstars. I collaborated with them and I did 10 recipes and the videographer got to try all of my food at the end of each episode and he's like it doesn't matter what you make you could just tell like a Mexican Latin person is making this because it just has that like flavor like even in the pasta like how'd you do that and I'm like I don't know I think it's just you do have like that zestiness I don't know it's just a little a little kick of I guess that Latin flavor I don't know what it is or maybe just Mexican because Mexican cuisine is very different from all the other Latin foods 
you know, spice is not a thing in like Cuban culture, for example. I made enchiladas and I was in Miami filming this and all these Cubans tried my enchiladas and it was not spicy. Like I couldn't find a good salsa in, in Miami because I mean, I'm used to being in San Diego where I'm right next to the border. We get tortillas and salsa. And so I was I had to settle for this green salsa that just was not as flavorful or it wasn't spicy by any means. And they're like, wow, like that has a little kick. And I'm like, what kick? Like, I didn't I didn't think it was spicy at all. (laughs) But it's just so interesting. Like everyone's taste buds are so different. I guess I grew up with the Mexican food. So it's so different. (laughs) I mean, you're on point. Like I remember meeting meeting Anna for the first time she moves in you know with me in Boston and yeah the fridge started to change pretty yeah. pretty quickly <laughs> like we always had jalapenos in the house that was yeah. that was one thing was kind of a staple when we first met and I wasn't so good with the spice back then so like you know one jalapeno in in a in a dish would just blow my head off yeah. and she'd be like you know that that's not meant and to be that hot now, and now i i claim i'm better than her at, yeah, at handling it all because i've definitely exposed myself to to more spicy right. food more flavors and yeah i'm i'm stoked that i got <laughs> exposed to it yeah, so it's cool it's that awesome. you've you've had it from a, a young age so after experiencing you know those traditional foods either american or mexican um at what point did you start getting exposed to more plant-based food and more, at what point or you know, was there anything that triggered your move mm. to a, a plant-based diet and a vegan lifestyle? Yeah. So ever since I was r- really little, I always say I was the kid that was watching more Food Network than like Disney Channel. <laughs> like I was like six and I was like, I loved watching just cooking videos and Giada and all those chefs. Like I just admired them so much. So as a very young girl, I always loved, I was fascinated by culinary just the culinary arts like really fascinated me and I loved being in the kitchen and I wasn't picky with any foods and so um, fast forward to when I was kind of introduced into the vegan diet I was kind of cooking for myself Um, this was I was I must have been what 19 Um, and I kind of wanted to clean up my diet a little bit more and at the time what healthy eating meant to me was restricting myself and so I fell into this kind of really bad relationship with food and I was counting calories obsessively and then I was just kind of dabbling and looking for different diets and I came across the vegan diet and at the time this was almost five years ago when veganism was very big on raw vegan and a lot of people were on the internet just eating a ton of fruit and for the first time it was people saying this is like a healthy way to eat in an abundance in like in abundance it wasn't a restrictive way of eating and so that really appealed to me because I was eating this diet of like 900 calories or less a day and basically starving my body and so this really appealed to me immediately so it was more of just like the food aspect of it And so I began to kind of dabble in the vegan diet and just eating more fruits and vegetables, plant-based, cooking more. And I was like, wow, like I do love to cook. Like my whole life I knew I loved culinary, but I wasn't actually like putting it into action until I became vegan because my parents were like, okay, you want to be vegan? Cook for yourself then. And so it kind of like obviously threw me into this, this situation where I had to cook for myself. And I became more, you know, informed about the foods we're eating where they came from 
And so this was happening for about a month. And my mom was very concerned. She's like, what are you doing? This is this healthy. My dad's like, no, this is a phase. Like, what are you what are you doing? You love food. Like, you can't do that to yourself. Because all of a sudden, when you say you're vegan, people are like, oh, like, don't you miss this? You know, people think that you just don't like food. So you're just vegan. That's why you're vegan. I don't know. (laughs) Which is the complete opposite for so many vegans. Um, And so this was going on for a month, just me dabbling in it, figuring out, you know, how to do this whole vegan thing. And then I came across the ethical side of it. And overnight, I pretty much went vegan. I watched one video. I think I watched like maybe 10 minutes of Earthlings, um, which is just a documentary on how animals are treated and how they're killed for food and for clothes um, and just for everything in life. Um, and I called Chansey, my boyfriend. I was like, babe, I'm vegan now. And he's just like, okay, I know like you've been vegan for a month. I was like, no, but officially I'm like crying. And he's just like, okay, like that's fine. I'll support you. Um, and so yeah, overnight, all night I was just researching, like, where's clothes from? Like, where does leather come from? Where does like my Uggs come from? Like everything, everything. And I just, my whole world was just like, I don't know. Like it was just a lot of information at once. I felt angry. I felt sad. I felt confused. A lot of emotions all at once, as I'm sure a lot of vegans go through. So that's kind of how it all started with my vegan journey. (laughs) Yeah, you've again, you've hit it on the head there. I think a lot of people, you know, they're watching similar shows, similar documentaries, reading similar books. And often the feelings after witnessing, you know, whatever it is you've seen Mm. is all of those things at once. You know, it's immense sadness for the animals that, you know, you haven't previously watched go through that um, process uh, for food and clothing. And then you learn about the health side of things and you're kind of annoyed. Like, yeah. how have I gone through school right. not knowing any of this, not learning any of this? Like family members that might have passed away from illnesses mm-hmm. that you think could have been prevented. Right. How, how have they had that mm-hmm. same information? So, yeah, all of that kind of comes up. Yeah, and, so yeah, many emotions. It's, uh, it's pretty yeah. heavy. It's kind of cool. It's funny that you consumed a lot of Food Network when you were younger. But from the sounds of it, really just came into action when you decided to make that switch. So was there a learning curve for you there? Like actually having to, you know, to put all those viewing hours from when you were, you know, younger watching Food Network into Mm -hmm. action and starting to develop recipes? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, Kind of in the back of my head, because I had been watching Food Network for so long, and just loved culinary for so long. I always wanted to do something with food growing up, but I never out, I never admitted it to anyone. I was very like something I always had in the back of my head, but I just never felt like I would be truly supported in it. So I went through the whole motions of going to college and studying a job or studying a major that I would eventually get a really good paying job in. And that was kind of just the path I was on. But in the back of my head, I was always thinking like I would really love to just cook for the rest of my life I don't know what that means like going to culinary school or like I don't know what that meant but I just knew that that was my passion and that that's something I wanted to explore and so when I was given the opportunity to you know be more in the kitchen experiment in the kitchen it was because of the plant-based diet it was because of veganism and so I loved it like I 
kind of that was like I feel like if I had never found that diet I wouldn't be doing what I love today because it all stems from my passion for cooking and so it wasn't difficult because I kind of just wanted to prove like okay anything that I grew up eating or anything that anyone loves I can veganize like it can it can happen and so that's like kind of my motive with everything it's not necessarily to make these like healthy plant-based dishes it's more just like to serve my dad his chilaquiles in the morning that are vegan and like if he's happy and if he's like wow these are really good like just as good as your aunt's I'm like I'm so happy so that's kind of like my goal it's it's more of to just reach those people that aren't really exposed to plant-based eating every day and to show them like hey like you can have your chilaquiles or you can have your burger whatever it is but vegan like or plant-based and I also like to show that like plant-based food or vegan food is just food at the end of the day. Like a lot of people say like, oh, I've never had vegan food. I'm like, really? Have you not? Because have you had rice? Like, just like little things like that. So I just I just wish that vegan food can just seen, be seen as food. Like it doesn't have to be this weird replacement thing. It's just another, I guess, cuisine of food. And so, yeah, I don't I don't think that there was like this big learning curve it was more of just like it was my first time really actually being in the kitchen so it was kind of like all new for me so I learned everything as I went I did a lot of research I I read a lot of books on how to replace certain things um you know I learned how to use cashews in a dish and nutritional yeast and things like that um where I didn't go to culinary school before and then had to do that big transition. It was just from the start, from like my start into cooking and like really diving into that whole world. It was all vegan. So it wasn't that difficult. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a huge positive to not, uh, you know, to not have been molded in any mm. way previously to, to jumping into the kitchen, not having any previous, right. uh, you know, preconceptions to, to what food should be or, or how it should be made, prepared, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think, that's you know that's a huge positive stepping in it allows you to be uh, i suppose at your creative yeah. best in in the kitchen um and yeah i i agree with you there with with plant-based food a lot of people do look at it kind of like oh vegan food like you know <laughs> oh what's it like yeah. like it's like a whole new <laughs> so world but you know in reality it's you know it makes up a huge percentage of people's plate on a on a daily right. basis all we're really giving up is you know a few ingredients it, it's not as big a step as we as we make it out to be right. uh, we really do hold you know big attachments to meat eggs and dairy yeah at the end of the day but it's cool i mean you're doing an amazing job with the with the blog with um with all your recipes like your your mission is uh, it's really cool to hear because to, to get people stepping in and trying new things, uh, trying out food that uh, they might not have done in the past, is it's an amazing introduction to, um, to trying a plant-based life. So once you started, you know, experimenting in the kitchen and, and making dishes, when was there, you know, the, the idea that, okay, this could become a blog, this could become um you know instagram page or youtube channel whatever it might be was there a moment where you're like i think i'm gonna you know really step on the gas here and, and and pump things up a bit yeah so i think i mean i think we could all agree that plant-based food is just so beautiful like it's just so beautiful on camera especially it's vibrant and so 
from the very beginning when I was still even just dabbling in like the raw vegan food, doing a lot of smoothie bowls, I took a picture of my smoothie bowl because that was really in back then. And I posted it on my personal Instagram page. And a lot of my friends like, you should post more. Like, what are you eating here? Like, this looks really good. Like, this looks like it's from some fancy juice shop. And I'm like, okay. So I started posting more and more. And then really shortly after I began a blog, just for fun, just as a hobby, because I was cooking for myself and putting so much just intention behind each meal and making it beautiful because I just realized how much I love to like plate food and just the whole food styling of it vegan food is just so beautiful to me. So I really put in a lot of love into my dishes. So I'm like, I might as well take a picture and I might as well just share this. And so that's kind of how it just started. I, I started sharing really not knowing where it was going to go. Um, just that I really enjoyed doing it. And from there, I guess it was probably like two years that I was just doing it as a hobby. And it just kind of was picking up and picking up. And after two and a half years or so, I just quit my job. I stopped going to school. I was actually studying to work with children. I was working at an elementary school. Um, and yeah, I pretty much from one day to the next decided I'm just going to stop working at the school I work at and I'm going to pursue this full time. And it wasn't easy in the beginning. It's not that I was making all this money. I had come out with like an ebook, just a really simple vegan ebook. Um, but I was really passionate and something in me was just like, this is going to work. Like I'm going, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge in the beginning, but I really need to follow this because my whole life I knew I was going to do, or I wanted to do something with cooking. I didn't know what exactly it was going to be, but it kind of was like, okay, like this is, this is what it was. Like, this is my path and I just need to follow it. And so I went full time with blogging and with Instagram, just doing as many collaborations as I could, selling my ebook, just really hustling, um, to make it, you know, to make it by. But yeah, so that's pretty much how it happened. And I think this past year, so it's been two years since I've been doing it full time. And this past year, I've really felt like more established. And I'm like, okay, I'm on the right path. <laughs> you know, it was worth it all those times I was really struggling. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it all happened. So two years ago, what kind of things did you have to to throw up in the decision making process to leave a job and to and to pursue, you know, your own creative um, project full time? Yeah. So for me, it was kind of taking this really big risk. Like it wasn't easy financially, especially. I think maybe a lot of people can relate that when you're going after your passion, you don't really know where it's going to lead you. And I think that's why a lot of people don't do it because it's really scary. It's not an easy thing. And I think people look at someone who did follow their passion and say, wow, you're so lucky or you're so lucky to do what you do every day and to be able to you know, live out your passion and do it for a career. But a lot of people don't realize that in the beginning times, it's really a struggle. It's not simple and it's not easy. And you also get kind of judged or, you know, your parents are concerned. I remember my mom was a little concerned with me taking this route, which is understandable. She just wanted what was best for me. Um, and it's kind of difficult because you just got to kind of just ignore and just keep going. Um, but yeah, it could be discouraging sometimes if, you know, your family or friends aren't supportive as you would like them to be, but you just have to really listen to your gut. And I would always say like, if someone else is doing it, I can do it too. Um, so 
and a, a lot of support like whoever you can find that can support you like my boyfriend was a really big support for me and I think something that really pushed me in the end in just in retrospect is that I was doing everything with a purpose I was really passionate not just about food it wasn't necessarily just about the food it was about like the the message behind it and the purpose of what I was doing I remember when I was starting with all of this, I actually have the book right in front of me. I could see it. It's called In the Company of Women. And it's just a book on all these entrepreneur women who have started businesses or who are artists, photographers, and there's a chef in the book. And I'm always just so intrigued to read about like about chefs and their story and where they work or what restaurants they've opened. And um, one of the questions in the book that asked the chef was, um, what has been like the biggest challenge in your career? And she said something along the lines of, you know, like everyone struggles and there's been challenges, but I have to remind myself that at the end of the day, I'm just creating, I'm just cooking food. I'm not saving lives. And so that really like hit me because when we have this intention behind what we're making and have this consciousness and the food that I'm creating, essentially it is saving lives, which is crazy because, you know, she, granted she has this beautiful passion for food, but she doesn't see it with a purpose behind it. Maybe it's just the purpose of making people happy, but when you're cooking vegan food or creating plant-based food, there's such an intent behind it. And it's so beautiful to know that, yes, you are saving lives with just that one meal. Like it's, it's just really interesting to me. And so that's kind of what motivates me at the end of the day. Like, I just think it's such a beautiful thing to know that there's just such an intention behind what you're doing. It's quite powerful that we can see food as, as medicine now, right? as a way of promoting health. And as a way of saving someone's life, just the person eating the food and the animal that like didn't have to die for the food too. Yeah, it's um, it really is incredible. I I, I remember first reading about plant based and and vegan diets and seeing that it's the only diet proven in history to arrest and reverse heart disease. Right. And for me, that was kind of like, hang on a second, you know, I'm at this point I'm 26 years old, thinking that you know heart disease is just this. Genetics. thing that <laughs> genetics or mm-hmm. you know yeah genetics bad luck whatever you might want right. to call it and then here i'm learning that hang on with the food that we put in our mouth three times a day it actually has the power to to stop it and reverse it or prevent it uh, right. depending on where you're at in life so to have that purpose driving your your passion is is incredible how do you kind of keep the relationships that you were talking about um you know in a positive light like with your parents if they're worried how do you navigate that how do you keep them Mm. keep them positive as well because i can yeah i can imagine parents do just want the best for us and taking this kind of plunge into a into a new um, a new way of living can be daunting for them as well as as well as you yeah but um yeah was there any other times where you you kind of just had to reassure them as well that this is what you really want to do yeah definitely um my parents all in all are supportive but i'm sure like as any parent would have their little concerns um so i think with time it honestly just takes time for you to show them like hey i'm serious and like 
this is what I really want to do. And with time, I think that they just really start to see, okay, like she is doing fine for herself. (laughs) Um, So with my mom, yeah, she is so supportive of what I'm doing now. But like I said, she did have her concerns when I went into a vegan diet, when I started to do this, wanted when I wanted to do this full time. And then with my dad, it's interesting, just going back to um, just his reaction to when I wanted to be vegan, um, he honestly didn't really believe in it. I was a very preachy vegan. I think we all maybe are preachy vegans at one point, especially when we're first, you know, transitioning. I was really, really preachy with him because he would always have this mindset of, well, I'm going to get diabetes and I'm going to have high cholesterol and high blood pressure because it runs in the family and that's it. Like, that's what's going to happen for me and that's it you know he's like I'm going to have health issues because my parents had health issues and it just runs in the family it's genetics um so that was his mindset for years um and just until like these past two years he was actually um diagnosed with um diabetes and he um Basically, at this point, I had been vegan for two and a half years, and he was really coming around to the idea. He's not vegan, but he's very aware of that food is medicine and that we can control things with food. And he eventually was able to actually get off his medication because he was eating healthier. He was eating more plant-based. He's eating like avocado toast with tomato in the morning, which is like such a big deal for him. And it's so sweet that that he's really into it now and that he really sees that food is is medicine and it just because it's genetics or you think it's genetics that you know those are just things that are put into your head your whole life and so you just have to switch the perspective but he has and it's been amazing so I think just with time once they see that you're really serious and if you just lead by example that's when they kind of try to like you know ask more questions or become more interested in it but yeah, I would say time, just time. You can't expect people to really understand you right off the bat. This is a huge change. I think what you have to remember is it's a huge change for you. And so imagine like you just explaining this to your parents and expecting them to understand everything when they haven't done the research, when they haven't read what you've read and you're just trying to blurt it out all to them. Like it's very overwhelming. So I think you just have to step back and be like, okay, I'm going to lead by example, just do my thing and hope that they come around to it. And I think most parents do, you know, you're, you're telling them you want to live a healthy life at the end of it. So it's not like you're going and saying, I'm going to go rebel and do these terrible things. No, so true. So true. With your, with your dad is, has that like, you know, strengthened your relationship? I mean, that's a pretty amazing story. He's, he's been able to, to get off medication it's a serious it's a serious disease i mean yeah. people have limbs amputated because mm-hmm. of diabetes and yeah uh and and pretty yeah pretty severe things like that yeah. so for him to get off that is he i don't know how, how does that affect <laughs> your relationship that's an amazing story yeah my dad is like one of my best friends he's just he's awesome i love him so much and we're really close just in general um but it has been so interesting to see. And also he's just such a advocate for veganism. Like, although he's not vegan, like he's, (laughs) it's so funny. Like when we go out to dinner, we're like talking about going out to dinner for like a special occasion. He's just, he always says, he's like, every restaurant needs to have a vegan menu. Like he's like, it's 2019. Who do they think they are not having a vegan menu? Like he's so serious about it. It's so cute. And so, yeah, it's just so interesting. Like he's very big advocate for it. He, doesn't eat any red meat. 
Um, he hasn't in years. He used to have like carne asada like all the time, um, which is just like a type of Mexican <laughs> cut meat. But um, he would have it all the time on the weekends. And I could say, honestly, it's been like three years that he hasn't. And he actually told me so two years ago, um, he I went out, I went on a trip to Colombia. And when I came back, he like confessed to me that he had meat while I was gone. He's just like, I need to tell you something. I was like, what? He's just like, I had a steak when you're gone. And I feel so guilty about it. He's just like, I won't ever let it happen again, because he didn't want to have it near me because he felt guilty. And so I would just think, okay, if he's feeling guilty, it's for a reason. Um, and he had to like confess to me, but it's just so interesting. And I've just, I just, I see so many people with vegan parents. I'm like, wow, it's so amazing. Like so many of my vegan online friends have vegan parents. And I'm like, wow, that's so beautiful and so amazing. Um, but I don't like to compare, like my parents aren't vegan, but they're so supportive and they're aware and they're very informed. And so, you know, you gotta, you gotta just accept it. And like, I just love that they love to eat vegan food and that they're really open to going to vegan restaurants always um so yeah you just have to just you know accept your parents for wherever they are and maybe they will get there maybe they won't but you know i think having the acceptance and even just seeing that they're more conscious and they're supportive of your decision that's i suppose at the end of the day that's that's all we can really ask for if we're if we're gonna make the switch and then if you know if your dad's able to get off medication and your, and your mum's also uh, receptive to it then I think you've um, you've landed yourself <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a pretty good position yeah, of course. I wanted to I wanted to learn more about how you you stay creative you know you've got an amazing range of, of recipes and you're creating content um, you know on the regular it's um, <laughs> it's it's quite incredible so are there any sources of inspiration that you often look to um, you know, or if not, how do you, how do you stay creative and, and, and keep doing this? Yeah. Um, one of, I guess this may come to surprise or maybe not. Like I said, like I loved watching Food Network <laughs> growing up and I have this just like appreciation for culinary and just like just food in general that I actually get my, my, um, inspiration from, still watching Food Network and looking at Bon Appetit, which is just like a big food um, channel and uh, food and wine. And I look at all of the foods that non-vegans are like going crazy over at every moment. And I basically take that and veganize it. That's what I do. (laughs) I don't really follow many vegan accounts except for just my friends. Um, for multiple reasons, I think enough, you know, you can, you can have your solid vegan things, but I think you also just need to keep your eyes open to everything else because there's so much going on in the world. And if we would just stay in our vegan bubble, then I would just be making like 500 different types of like cauliflower wings all day and like not expanding my, you know, my creativity in in other ways. But yeah, I, I really stem it from what every, all the non-vegans are eating truly. Awesome way to look at it. I think Getting outside the bubble regularly is super important. I think you'd be forgiven that if you were, you know, watching only vegan channels online, only vegan people on Instagram, thinking the world is vegan. You know, you can kind of create that bubble for yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, The reality is that we're probably, you know, far less than 10% of the population. There's much more work needing to be done. Many more people like yourselves needing to get out there and, uh, and getting creative and sharing it with people, so it's a, it's an awesome way to, uh, kind of, 
yeah I suppose it's a method it's, a, it's, <laughs> yeah, a, it's, it's an awesome yeah it's, it's an awesome method yeah, yeah it's a really cool method to uh to keeping that inspiration going yeah it's just so interesting because i remember when i first went vegan and i would look for recipes and just for example like a cake recipe or or a pancake recipe a lot of the times like the vegan ones look very daunting and like scary because there's so many ingredients and especially not being vegan and seeing flax seeds for the first time in a an ingredient list and almond meal and all these like complicated things you're like wait where do i get that a lot of people will feel like okay this is a vegan this is a vegan recipe like it's very vegan like when you have all those like very fancy hard to get ingredients um expensive ingredients and so kind of my my other goal with just veganizing like the classic recipes that people are loving is just to just like do very simple swaps so for example like in a cake if i see like a really delicious like olive oil orange cake that i recently did a lot of i would just look at normal recipes like on bon appetit or food network and i would see that like okay there's like four eggs okay so how can we replace that with like a normal ish ingredient like applesauce is like something that people know and i don't have to be like oh go get like a powdered vegan egg like most people be like where do you even get that (laughs) and so that's kind of like my goal is just to make it like again like vegan food is just food and you just have to replace it with things you kind of already know um so yeah i just yeah just to simplify things a little bit more what are some of the i suppose more complicated ingredients you've had to swap or had Mm. to figure out okay so that's a good question and i immediately thought of my fettuccine alfredo recipe so when I was kind of doing, so I do like research days where I just like go on a binge on watching so much Food Network and so much Bon Appetit. And I learned from like really good chefs that know what they're talking about. So when I was looking into making a like classic fettuccine alfredo that didn't include like potatoes or cauliflower, because again, like I don't want to freak any like non-vegans out. Um, I was doing my research and a lot of chefs were saying, okay, you need like heavy whipping cream and you need butter and that's it. And you need like hot pasta water and maybe a little bit of cheese. And so, you know, the more simple, the better. So the, this, this recipe in particular, when I was developing it, I'm like, okay, how am I going to get this like thick, like whipping cream? what is it um heavy whipping cream texture because it's it's not easy to get that out of almond milk because almond milk in the grocery store has like three almonds per gallon (laughs) and so I knew that that wasn't going to thicken up the same so I was just doing like a lot of brainstorming and I'm like okay the only way to do this really is to do like homemade cashew milk but the way to easily do it is just by combining you could just combine dry raw cashews with water blend it in your blender you don't need a nut milk bag you could just pour it straight into the pan because cashews don't have a skin on them and so you don't need to strain it like you would with almonds and so that's why I chose to do cashews because it's creamy and people don't need to go through all these complicated steps you really just need a blender and water and cashews and boom you have it so that was kind of like my easy swap and then using a little bit of vegan butter and then you're good to go like those were that was like the I tried to simplify it, but it's still a little complicated because you have to whip out a blender. But at the same time, like a lot of people love dairy free recipes like my my girlfriends who aren't vegan, like they love it. They're like, wow, I can eat this and not feel like crap afterwards. Like, that's great. So that's really cool. Yeah. Using the kitchen kind of as a, a bit of a lab yeah. experiment uh, yeah. with, with new ingredients and, and, and making those switches is kind of right. cool. Do you ever have to look at like the fat profile or? you know, the protein makeup of Mm. a certain ingredient to try and replicate something like 
you know, heavy whipping cream, which is yeah. probably high in saturated fat, Super. high in cholesterol. Yeah. It's an animal product. So, yeah. Have you ever looked at that kind of stuff? Yeah, I actually do. Um, so when people so when I created this fettuccine Alfredo recipe, um, a lot of people were saying, oh, can I just use um, almond milk or can I use homemade or sorry, store bought cashew milk? And I always say, no, I'm so sorry. You can't because the fat content is so much lower than what it is if you make it at home because you're using a whole thing of a whole cup of cashews versus a gallon of cashew milk is unfortunately going to have like the smallest amount. So that's why the fat content is so much lower. So I have to kind of explain that because a lot of people don't really understand that. Um, but yeah, I, I have had to look at the fat content and I'm like, okay, like look at the fat content in cashews. Okay. This is going to work. It's going to actually thicken and become a sauce versus just like, you know, if you use store-bought, it would just be like water. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's a science. <laughs> no, it's true. I think that's a, that's a really good tip for people out there is if you are looking to replicate, mm-hmm. um, you know, sources that need i suppose a thick kind of um profile yeah never to use store-bought because those guys are they're looking to maximize profits at the end of the day of course so you know when you when you pour it on your cereal it's good to go if you're putting it in a cup of tea it's perfect Mm -hmm. um but yeah they often use like maybe I don't it's know. So, Seriously, it's like so eight, crazy. eight nuts per liter, or yeah, even like less, that. maybe. It's yeah, so crazy, and just a ton of fillers. True. Yeah, a lot of fillers. It, yeah, emulsifiers. Yeah, the the homemade stuff is always better. So if you oh, do yeah, if you course. do have a blender and a nut, um, you know, a nut milk bag, it's yeah. I mean, it's super easy. Cup yeah. of nuts and. What, how, what ratios do you do for, for like a an almond milk or something like um, that? For almond milk, I would do like a cup of soaked almonds with like three to four cups of water if you want to do it like chancy my boyfriend that loves it for like lattes so we'll do like it'll be a treat it's like one cup of almonds like two cups of water so it's very like thick and rich but you can definitely get by with doing three to four cups of water to get you more almond milk it just really depends on like what your preference is cool speaking of chancy yeah how is how is your relationship working together living together um yeah how has that been um you know as as you've evolved with the with the blog yeah it's been good so chancy um he so we've been together for six years over six years um so when i went vegan four years ago he was like do you babe but i'll be over here because he was actually a fisherman he grew up fishing he loved to fish it was his one of his hobbies and so i was like okay this guy is never going vegan and i kind of just accepted it but also like resented it (laughs) at the same time so it was a little bit difficult in that time of me being this fiery passionate vegan and him fishing because I didn't understand him because that's when you learn that you know fish have feelings too and so I would ask him like but do you think fish have feelings and he'd be like I don't think it's the same babe and I was like no but I did research it's the same and so we would get into some arguments and I learned to just kind of keep my mouth shut and kind of just lead by example and maybe one day he would become vegan maybe not but as long as he was supportive of me that's all that really mattered at the end of the day and so after a year that I was vegan I went on a trip for a month actually I went to Bali in Thailand with one of my friends and I come back and Chansey's vegan he like gave up fishing like during this trip that I was gone, he gave up fishing. He's like, I'm vegan. I'm like, what do you mean you fish? He's like, no, like I'm giving, he's like, I'm going to sell my kayak. Like I'm selling all my fishing gear. And I'm like, whoa, like what happened? (laughs) And he's just like, I just didn't feel right. Like I went out fishing and like, 
you're right like this is a living being that i'm like taking from the ocean like he had just like this whole other perspective on it and it was really beautiful to see that it wasn't because i was like in his ear it was like i was gone for a month and he kind of just made this he kind of just like switched his perspective on his own which is all i would want for him you know you wouldn't i wouldn't ever want to be like this of course i was an influence but it wasn't like i was like you need to go vegan or else (laughs) um it was more of just like his own decision which was really beautiful to see it was also really difficult for him because it was just such a big thing for him to like cut out something big to cut out of his life it wasn't just food it was like a hobby as well and to switch his perspective and to kind of explain that to his friends like I, I did feel for him and it was it was a challenge, but it was something he really wanted to do. And so that really brought us closer because then suddenly like we really, you know, connected on even a deeper level. Like when you have that big, big connection on on sharing the same views on life, like it kind of changes everything because it's a little bit difficult to kind of just say, OK, let's just not talk about it because we're going to argue about it. When you really agree on something that's so big in your life, it really brings you guys closer and so, yeah, it brought us closer. Um, Chansey's always been really supportive of my blog. He does all the back end work, <laughs> all the stuff that I don't understand or have patience for. He'll be on the phone for like hours if my blog goes down or if there's an issue. Um, but essentially, Chansey, he has his own career. Um, and so he works 12 hour shifts and he goes to work while I stay home and I work from home. And then he comes home and I get a little taste of what's going out in the real world. And I get to tell him, oh, me and Jitsu had like a 10 hour day of cooking and just like hanging out. And so we live completely different um, day to day lives for the most part. Um, But it's good because then we get to come together and kind of get a taste of each other's, you know, work world. Um, But yeah, things are great. We just moved into our apartment. It's a you guys are sitting in it right now. It's like a, a studio, but we love it and it's comfy and we just adopted our dog a month ago so things are things are good <laughs> that's awesome that's yeah. jitsu by the way guys yeah so if you're wondering who jitsu was he's you can probably see him on camera if you're if you're watching on instagram or yes. youtube but um yeah he's an awesome yeah. little guy rescued from tijuana yes yep. he's our little rescue from tijuana he was found with a broken leg um in tijuana last um the end of last year and this a uh, incredible women woman who rescues dogs in Tijuana she found him she's taking she took care of him for a few months and now we adopted him about a month ago and he's just the best dog yeah it's probably (laughs) it's probably a good um a good company to kind of give a shout out so what's the name of the of the rescue here Um, in San Diego so if you're in San Diego or near San Diego it's called the Barking Lot um, Rescue in San Diego you can find them on Instagram Um, but they're incredible they do amazing work they actually um, have dogs from all over the world from Thailand from Asia yeah from all these places in Asia from China Thailand um, Korea and then from Mexico so it's really crazy because they work with rescues from all over the world and then they get them to San Diego. And basically what the barking lot does is they find either fosters or people who want to adopt. So you can either foster a dog, which is amazing because um, a lot of dogs need homes and it's better for them to be in a home rather than, you know, the shelter um, or if you're ready to adopt. But yeah, it's a great it's a great rescue. Yeah. Fostering is um, super important, I think. Some dogs can't go in a home straight away uh, right. with an owner and they need a foster a foster home to kind of get used to what that life would be like. They're making right. a big adjustment themselves. Yeah. Like we were talking about Jitsu before, how he, you know, he's 
been in, in Tijuana on the on the streets for for most of his life. Yeah. And you were mentioning about the food. Like he's he's really well natured. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful dog. But when he's eating, and you go <laughs> to like pat him or something, he'll yeah. Um, he'll snap because. Yeah. That's probably what he, he's used yeah, to. Yeah, he was used to fighting for his food. It was like survival. Like Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, learning a lot. Um, it's like having a child. <laughs> but we love him so much. And he's just, yeah, it's crazy to think like, wow, like you were on the streets by yourself, like scared. Like he's he starts to cry if I go to the restroom. <laughs> like he has such he has separation anxiety and he loves to be near me every second and to think that he was alone for I don't know how many years is so sad, but it's just also uh, just like fills my heart with so much joy to know that he's just safe. Like I always sound like you're safe, you're loved, like you're you know, you're not going to be on your own anymore. But yeah, there's so many dogs that need homes. So many dogs and yeah, got to We we have to support the rescues and the shelters. Cause totally. Yeah, adopt. Yeah. Don't shop. Adopt. It's don't pretty shop. Simple. Yes. Definitely. No, he's living his best life there yeah, on the couch seriously, right now. Seriously, so, he's such yeah. a lucky pup. He really does yeah. live his best life. And honestly, there was a point where I was telling you guys earlier that Chancey wanted a puppy. Um, and before that, before we were like more informed about adopting and not shopping, um, we wanted a specific breed. You know, a lot of people love like the golden doodles and Chancey loves like Australian sheep dogs. And he's like, they're such cool dogs. They're beautiful. Of course, you know, like you love animals. You're going to love every breed and or your specific breeds. And we didn't really ever stop to think, OK, where are we getting this dog? Is it going to come from? Um, you know, someone who breeds them. So what's wrong with breeding? Because breeding doesn't sound very bad if you're getting it from like a family or on Craigslist. Like people say, oh, well, I got them from a breeder. And yes, that may not sound like, oh, that's not, you know, people may not think, oh, well, it's ethical, you know, like it's just coming from, you know, two dogs who had puppies. But at the end of the day, for one, there's so many dogs in shelters that need homes. Um, So that's taking away from them getting a chance and two, it's not really that ethical to put dogs through, you know, breeding and, and having babies because it's not a lot of times it's not really their choice, especially if you're going to like a puppy mill. It's actually really sad and people don't know it. But, you know, these dogs don't have a choice. They're kind of just being bred because they want to make these like, you know, perfect puppies that are just like these cool breeds together, like those um, designer dogs. And it's all the hype and people pay thousands of dollars to ship in dogs from like across the country or even across the world to get a specific breed. But at the end of the day, like dogs just have so much love to give and like doesn't matter what breed they are. Like they'll give you all the love you need. (laughs) And I also just wanted to add because I'm just so passionate about this recently. You can find any breed in any age in shelters and people don't know that either. If you want a puppy, you can find them in, in shelters and in rescues. The barking lot just posted six adorable puppies and Chancey's like, look at these puppies. (laughs) (laughs) So we've been, yeah, we've been on their Instagram. There's another one in Los Angeles that we've been looking at. There's one in you know, the Oregon area where we're planning on moving to as well. And yeah, whenever they post like, you know, a, a set of puppies or a, yeah. or a, an older dog, it doesn't really matter, but you just want to adopt it. Like they're, Seriously. you know, they're really beautiful and you're right. There's so many dogs in shelters that need homes. Um, going to a breeder, it just doesn't need to happen. Yeah, you know, it doesn't. It, it doesn't need to happen. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of dogs that, you know, have gone through, 
a tough life mm-hmm. that could do with a chance so that they can, you know, be here in San Diego in the, <laughs> in, in the sun chilling out. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's a really good message, I think. And if, you know, no matter where you are in the world, I'm sure you can find a, a dog or right. a cat rescue. So Yeah, and there's also specific breed rescues. So say you want a golden retriever, like I feel you, golden retrievers are beautiful. I had one growing up. You can find a rescue that just you know, has golden retrievers. So you can really find any type of dog. Um, Golden retrievers are actually the dogs that are a lot, are often rescued from like a lot of Asian countries because they're, you know, killed for food, which is really sad to think that a golden retriever is like food in other countries. But a lot of those dogs are saved and then brought to the U.S. I know there's a lot of rescues that, that are golden retriever based. So yeah, you can find any, any type of dog, any age. Really good to know. Yeah. I think it's uh, yeah an important message, and I'm I'm glad we we brought it up. <laughs> I wanted to also talk a little bit about you know outside of the the online business. So, from what I understand, you know, uh, at previous times throughout your you know your time cooking, you've brought a more community feel to uh, to your business. So. What have you been able to do with, I suppose, classes and gatherings um, and, and your cookbook as, as well? Uh, what was the kind of the reason you wanted to go down that track and, and how did those events run? Sure. Yeah. So um, about two ish years ago, I started a business called Blissful Gatherings with one of my good friends, Lila, who I met through Instagram, which Instagram is just great because you can find really good friends on on social media these days like lifelong friends but yeah so Lila and I met three years ago on Instagram because we connected over our you know our interests our similar interests in food and plant-based cooking and um, she actually came to me and said you know like you love to cook like let's bring your recipes to life like to a dinner so basically what Blissful Gatherings was, was a business that we started that was pop-up dinners in San Diego. So every month we would hold um, a pop-up dinner, which means that we would set a table for like 25 to 30 people. People would register online, like we would promote it through our Instagrams and they would like reserve their seat. They would pay for their seat and they would show up like you can come by yourself or with friends or with your boyfriend, girlfriend. And um, you basically sit at a table with strangers essentially and we would serve five course vegan meals and then we would serve like kombucha and like and yeah and it was just a beautiful night it was really 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 good experience um it felt like I was running like a little restaurant um so yeah we would do like different themes like we did an Asian theme we did a Mexican theme it was so much fun and then we would also um what was important to us was collaborating with local San Diego businesses so the kombucha that we would serve would be local from like a local San Diego brand we would do like coconut water from a local brand um so stuff like that and then all of our um our five course meals were like seasonal. So we would go to the farmer's market and we would get what was in season um, and just support all the local businesses and then just give people a chance to connect in real life because so often we're connecting through our phones. So it gave people the opportunity to find friends, to connect in person over something that they had, you know, in common, which is eating plant-based foods and it didn't mean that everyone was vegan it definitely didn't mean that sometimes it would be most of the people weren't vegan it's just that they're maybe interested in it 
or just understood it, but maybe weren't there all the way. Um, but yeah, it was, that was our business. And we did that for, um, I believe we did like 14, 15 dinners. And then, um, we did two bigger events. We did, um, like a rooftop style event where we held 60 people and we actually worked with Lululemon Lululemon San Diego reached out to us and they wanted to do an event with us. So we did like a yoga in the beginning and then we did a vegan brunch. And it was really cool to see because a lot of the yoga community came together that weren't vegan, but they had this vegan brunch like, wow, this is really good. Like this coconut yogurt, like tastes like real yogurt. So it just like starts those conversations. And it was really cool to like meet people in real life and to actually serve my like dishes to people in real life, not just like through Internet um, was really a cool experience and just like a really good way to like gather people and just like connect <laughs> have good connections no i think yeah. i think it's an underrated part of of what we need is is that human connection social media is fantastic for you know connecting with like-minded people who you otherwise may have not met um you know an amazing resource for finding for finding new friends but you know, there is something to say for actually being able to get people together, strangers, to sit around a table and, you know, try new, uh, try a new dish, try a new way of eating together. And they get to talk about it and, and really, and really connect. I think it's an underrated thing. So that's a, a really cool thing that you, uh, you were able to do here in San Diego. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, one of like my, like a memory that sticks out the most is when we did an Italian themed dinner and I we made a uh, vegan homemade tortellinis and we made like vegan like almond tofu ricotta and there's a guest there that came with her friend she was like kind of confused she was like I don't know where we are like this is vegan like she was just kind of like thrown into it last minute but towards the end of the dinner she's like wait I thought this this meal was vegan like she asked me she's like I thought it was vegan I was like it is vegan and she's just like wait so those tortellinis with like the ricotta wasn't like that wasn't real cheese I'm like no and she's like oh my god like those were like the best tortellinis I've ever had I'm like oh my gosh thank you so like when I would get reactions like that of like non-vegans be like whoa wait that was vegan like what did I just eat like those were like the best moments because I'm like yes like this is like my point like again like it's just food and it could taste just as good it's just a little replacement here and there but yeah it was a really good experience and um we don't do the dinners anymore but um because it was just a lot of work um a lot of love that was thrown into it but it was just a lot of our time and it was just kind of a chapter that had to close as far as blissful gatherings goes but eventually i do want to like host a dinner again um my friend Sofia from Alcachofa, she's on Instagram as Alcachofa, and um, we're going to do a dinner in Mexico City. So that's going to come in September. So just throwing that out there is the first time that we've talked about it. Sofia's going to be like, <laughs> uh, she'll be cool with it. Should you have said that now? She's, uh, <laughs> no, she's, it's a little sneak peek. <laughs> Sofia's been on the on the Spanish version yeah, of the podcast. I so, so much. I think, um, yeah, that'll be amazing. That'll be um really cool opportunity in mexico yeah. city yeah you guys have to come it's gonna be like on a rooftop and we're gonna do like five courses and do the whole thing yeah I'm but mexico I'm city style <laughs> hungry just thinking about it yeah. so if we can get there we'll give it our best crack yeah. I th i'd really like to i'd really like to go are there any are there any foods that you've 
you know, you're more drawn to when you're cooking? Have you got some mm-hmm. favorites that you really like playing around with in the kitchen? Ugh, I just love so many different cuisines. It's so hard to choose, but I mean, of course I love cooking Mexican food. Like doing enchiladas is like one of my favorite things. Um, I do like jackfruit in the, like in the center. We do like, I do like jackfruit or I could do like mushrooms to replace like the chicken or the meat. Um, and then like, I love making a cashew cream cause it's so similar to like crema, like Mexicana. It's just like very similar and it's, it, you know, my parents love it. Like my dad's like, Oh yeah, I'd rather have that cream over like the real stuff. Um, so yeah, I love Mexican food, but I also love making fresh pasta. Like that's just so much fun. I love Italian food. Asian food is a lot on my, you know, on my feed too, or on my blog. I love doing like Thai food because Thai is just such a flavor packed, you know, cuisine too. So I would say like Asian, Italian, and like Mexican are like usually my go-tos. Um, like we said earlier, like American food is kind of just bland. Like I don't really enjoy making like veggie burgers that much. I do have a few recipes for that, but I don't know. I just stick to like more of like the cultural foods. Like I just feel like there's so much more interesting and fun and like flavorful. Couldn't agree more. They're yeah. way more exciting, way more flavorful. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Now, something we've been doing with, uh, you know, with people that are in, in food recipe develop, developers, chefs, uh, often ask them, we've, we've kind of coined the term the Spice Girls. So <laughs> what your five favorite spices are. Okay, spices. If you've got a top five. Can this like, does this include herbs? We can chuck, herbs? Them. We okay. can chuck them into. Okay. Spices and herbs. So I would say garlic, like garlic powder. Um, paprika is really good. Curry powder. Um, cilantro is like, I just, I love cilantro. Like I'm telling you guys, like I put it on Asian food, which I don't think is like right. But um, so that's four. And I would say, I guess turmeric is a part of curry powder. Um, cause I would say turmeric is something that I cook with a lot cause it gives that beautiful flavor and like really good color. But let me think, did I say onion powder? No. Onion powder is good. Cool. Garlic and onions. Like if I'm not cooking with the actual garlic and onions itself, garlic and onion powder will make it in the recipe somehow. I just feel like when you start with those two ingredients, like it just enhances and like, just gives so much more flavor to your dish. I think it's just like a Mexican thing. Like there's so much garlic and onions and like <laughs> a lot of Mexican and Asian cooking as well. But yeah, I would say those those are my spices and herbs. <laughs> no, some good go-tos. I, um, yeah, we use all of those a lot. And yeah, once you start using herbs and spices, it just adds a new level to your dishes. Yeah, to your like dishes. throw it on yeah. your veggies when you bake them. Like not, it doesn't just have to be salt and pepper, but like garlic powder, just like takes it to a whole nother level like paprika like it's not too spicy it's more of like another like layer of flavor i would say say like the more herbs and spices and the better like it just makes everything taste better (laughs) couldn't agree more couldn't agree more to round things out alexa if there's someone listening that's you know they're sitting at home and they've been toying with the idea of maybe you know starting a blog or they've got a passion um, not just for food, but it, you know, it could be something else and they want to get started. What kind of tips do you have for them? Mm. Um, I would say know that it's not going to be like your perfect envision of what it's, 
what you want it to be in the very beginning because no one starts as a professional like you have to you just have to practice and you have to practice and practice to perfect your craft I would say I never really saw myself as a perfectionist in life um growing up I never was like you know a considered myself a perfectionist but when I'm in my craft, I'm definitely perfectionist. And I think people can relate when you're so passionate about something, you find yourself being a perfectionist because you're so passionate and you want everything to, you want to be proud of what you're putting out. And so I would say like, have patience with yourself and practice and practice and practice, but also pay attention to those small details. Like to make something great, you do have to pay attention to the small detail, be proud of what you put out. It doesn't always have to, you don't have to just rush through, rush through things um but I would say just go for it like you don't have anything to lose and know that it's not going to be just this easy ride you know like it's going to be a little bit difficult in the beginning um but just use that to push yourself because know that like people didn't just like snap their fingers and get what they wanted (laughs) it takes a lot of work um but push yourself because at the end of the day you're going to be so happy that you did it love it Alexa Thanks so much for having us today in your home and, and for giving up the time today. I really do appreciate it. And it was cool to, yeah, kind of mm-hmm. dive deeper into into where you've come from and what you're all about and, and, and where, you're, you know, where you're taking things now with the blog in the future. So thanks very much. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Cheers. Had fun. Hey, guys. Thanks again for tuning in today. Your support has been truly amazing. Something I didn't mention in the introduction was that this is actually one year since I started the podcast. When I began the project, I had the dream of taking it on the road and traveling across America with Anna in a van. So since then, we have added a few more countries to the list and also a whole new podcast in Spanish. You can find that one at VegTalk Español if you're a Spanish speaker. We're really enjoying bringing you stories from some seriously inspiring people And I hope you've found the content helpful, engaging, and has positively changed your life on some level. Next week, we'll be chatting with Canadian-Australian actress, Rhiannon Fish. We cover some powerful topics, and I can't wait to share it with you all next week. Until then, you guys know the drill. Keep it plant-based, and I'll catch you all in seven days' time.